0: If you have your Bible, turn with me to that passage. The lights will come up just a second help you see a little bit better. But in Luke chapter 2, we'll be starting out in verse 22 and going all the way down to verse 39 today. Uh, A couple things I want you to know. First, last week we had a group of folks come in and help decorate the church and get us ready for uh, Christmas so it would feel like it when you came in. You kind of get a little of that. And they did an incredible job, didn't they? Would you just encourage them with a round of applause this morning? We won't name them or, or anything like that. But the second thing is, thank you for continuing to pray for me. Um, hopefully you can tell I'm not having to whisper this morning by the grace of God, and so it's nice to be closer to normal in uh, here. Christy's not sure if she likes it being closer to normal yet at home, but, but we're working on that and glad to be able to be heard this morning. Um, christmas is is a time for for a lot of things, and gifts, like Eric said, is something we talk about a lot and The older we get chrissy 's grandmother just turned ninety five and uh, she doesn't need a lot. She doesn't need Nintendo Switches. She doesn't really desire the latest and greatest iPhone. She just needs one that's big enough so that she can see us waving at her through it and things like that. She kinda has all those things. And so all of a sudden the value, the worldly value of things starts to drop off and the personal value, the, the sentimental meaning, that, that tends to rise. Cards mean more. Uh, handmade gifts mean more. And I thought about that when I was thinking about this passage and this idea of overwhelming joy. Um, during COVID, Ashley has a habit of learning new things, and when she, once she learns them, she starts something else. And one of the things she did was something that my grandmother used to do, and I know many of our ladies here through COVID and at Christmas time have done, and that is to crochet. Do we have any crocheters in the house? Any of you guys crochet? Yeah, absolutely. So my grandmother used to make snowflakes, crocheted snowflakes, and we'd hang them on the, the Christmas tree, things like that. And and I want to know, let you know, um, this is a, a hook. It's not a needle, men. I've been corrected. This is a crochet hook. And what you do is you just grab a piece of, of yarn and you do something. I want to sh- show you this. Now, this is two-handed for me real quick. So let me see. This was Ashley's COVID project. And this is her blanket that she made. And what amazed- Yeah, you can you can tell her she did a good job. That's super good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, in this, I want to let you know that if you were to unravel this blanket, end to end, you could start at one football goalpost and go to the other football post and back over ten times. Isn't that amazing? She, she used seven or eight spools of yarn in this, and each one over 250 yards of yarn in it. And it was amazing to see that so much, if we were to see that out in public, we would be overwhelmed with how much it was. Yet we can snuggle up in something like this all day long and and not even appreciate deep and how wide the thread runs through it. Well, when we look at Scripture today, the whole point is I want you to see the thread of the joy of Jesus Christ that has been woven in to God's Word from beginning to the end. Because we need to appreciate this overwhelming gift of joy that we have in Jesus that no one else has through any other thing and sometimes if we downplay that just a little bit if we if we miss the power and the potency of that then we miss this overwhelming joy and we just have this flavor of Jesus that's what we're talking about today as we look at an untraditional story for Christmas in Luke chapter 2 it occurs at the end and you might say pastor why are we why are we talking about Jesus being born and presented in the temple in the Christmas story, especially before Christmas. Well, Luke tells us in chapter, chapter 2, verse 39, of why this is an important part of the Christmas story. So if you have your Bible, look at verse 39 with me this morning. The Bible says this, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Do you know that the journey that Mary and Joseph were on started before either one of them was ever called into existence? That the thought of of Mary and Joseph and this Messiah child being born was created before they were thought in their mother's mind. And what Luke tells us is, is they lived out and fulfilled the word of God on this journey to Bethlehem, the birth of the Savior, this moment in the temple. And all of it was a part of their obedient journey and God bringing joy to the world. And so sometimes we can overlook the end of Luke because it's not quite the Christmas story, but it's too close to Christmas story for us to hit it in January, so we pass by it. Well, today I want you guys to look deeply into it because I believe you may see yourself. Because if you were to ask... Uh, a, a random number of people, what overwhelming joy feels like. The Word of God may not be their first answer. This revelation of Jesus, and this Christmas as much as any other time, we need to be reminded of the joy of. Of Christ, so let's start. Verse chapter, excuse me, Luke chapter two, verse twenty-two. And I won't read the whole thing. I'm going to skip it around just a little bit because I want to introduce or reintroduce you to the people in the story. Verse twenty-two of Luke chapter two. And when the time came for the purific- their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought h- brought him up to Jerusalem. Him is Jesus. They is Mary and Joseph. To present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He was a man of uh, was righteous and devout, and was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now go down further to verse 36. This is the, the last player in the game, and there was a prophetess. Anna the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher and she was advanced in years having lived with her husband 7 years 7 years and she, excuse me 7 years from when she was a virgin and then a widow until she was 84 and I just want to stop right here so the people that have found themselves in the temple together on this day are Mary Joseph Jesus Anna and Simeon and so these five people find themselves on this just normal day for most people in Jerusalem gathered in the women's court. You see the women's court was was the court that was outside of of the the inner courts where you could go to pray and you could you could do uh, you could offer sacrifices. And so we know that this is gathered on the fringe inside the temple huge massive area. And in this place that is most removed from the Holy of Holies, yet still in the temple, we find out that the joy that Jesus brings changes everything. Now, I was thinking about how to line this sermon up, and kind of like the quilt, if you were to ask me to start quilting, I probably couldn't follow through. But if you showed me what I was working towards, I might begin And so this morning when I was thinking about joy, what I wanted us to start with was the end because the truth is that the joy of Jesus Christ, unlike material possessions, even unlike emotional relationships, the joy that Jesus Christ brings changes every single thing. These five people come together, Simeon and Anna. It doesn't talk about them interacting with each other before this day. It doesn't talk about them knowing Mary and Joseph and Jesus. But they all come together and come face to face with the Messiah made flesh. So, so look what happens. First of all, when we come face to face with Jesus, what he starts to do is he changes the tiredness into a joy that gives rest. You heard what Simeon's story before. He was a man that was not permitted to die. It says that he was told he would not die until he saw the Messiah. Now, you might say, well, that's fantastic news. And it is to a degree. But at the same time, on those bad days, when you're ready to be home with the Lord, you know the promise of God is holding you back. Look at verse 28 through verse 32. This is what the Bible says. It says, and he, Simeon, took Jesus into his arms and he blessed him and he said, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people of Israel. You see, what Simeon says, the first thing off his lips are, Now, now you're letting me depart. You know, I think sometimes we believe that rest is boredom. But what Simeon shows us is that rest for the weary in the face of Jesus, our Savior, is a release to live. It is a release to peace. And he says, Lord, whenever, I'm re- whenever you're ready now, I have seen the light. And I want the world to know the light has come a light to the Gentiles, the glory for the people of Israel. The rest that comes through the revelation of Christ is peace. Church, that's, that's prophecy. That's the Bible fulfilled. If we look in the Old Testament, whenever the Lord shows up in power, peace is established for his people. I was thinking about that in our current day, in our present circumstances, just trying to, to wade our way through, not saying the wrong thing to the wrong person, not doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. Sometimes my daughter's reminding me to take my ma- I can take my mask off in the car when I'm driving by myself, amen. Have you gotten caught on accident just trying to do the right thing at the right time to the right people? And it seems like peace is elusive. Here's a man that has been waiting his whole life knowing that he cannot rest until the promise of god is fulfilled and in this moment the promise is fulfilled and joy overcomes him not finally i can die i'm done but instead finally god you are letting me live take me whenever you're ready church do you know that kind of peace that kind of peace that Hebrews chapter 4 says scripture is all about. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this. is a very familiar passage. It says, for the word of God is living and active. It is living and active. Is God's word being fulfilled in your life in the middle of your tiredness? Do you know that it is alive still? It is not, it is not sleepy. But the Lord instead is waiting for you to join him face to face to be alive and to be released from your tiredness. Anna has a different experience altogether. Look in verse 38 of Luke chapter 2. The Bible says it this way. It says, And coming up at that very hour, she, Anna, began to give thanks to God and speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Anna, this woman who was married for seven years and widowed either for 87 years or 87 years old. Either way, that's a long time in a man-dominated society to be a widow. From the time she was young until now when she's old. Can you imagine the loneliness that she experienced day in and day out? Always the third wheel if invited to a party. Always someone that people needed to help and very often probably not the helper. Coming face to face with Jesus Christ, the lonely to them, the joy that is found in Christ is an invitation to a bigger family. Have you ever thought about that? That here Anna is, we'll call her for our sake 87, 84 years old in Scripture. She may be alone now, but the joy of Christ says she's not walking out the same way she came in. Her words start proclaiming to everyone who was around, she started to speak of who Jesus was. Everybody who's waiting, come in. Let me show you the Messiah church, the joy of Jesus Christ changes our loneliness into a boldness for him. I remember Christy and I, when we first got married, we lived up in in McKinney and there was a a subdivision, a pre-planned development, beautiful subdivision called Stonebridge Ranch. And, and we couldn't afford to live in it. So we lived on, literally on the other side of the interstate and drove in. And every time we drove in, just pictures of, of wonderfulness jumped in. Like, one day, wouldn't it be great to, to move into this area? They have parks, places, and, and they have, um, you know, they have, it looks safe and clean and all these things. And we would drive home at night, and you would think, okay, we can't go out after dark, things like that. But every person that we would talk to in the church who moved in, we welcomed them as visitors. Almost everyone had the same idea at the time. We love this community so much, we want to be the last one in. We don't want it to change. You see, Worldly joy makes us want to protect what we think can be squandered. But heavenly joy to the the lonely says, I see, Jesus, that your table is big enough for everyone and there's no such thing as being overcrowded. You see, to the lonely, coming face to face with Jesus shows that the table of Christ is big enough for the entire family. And all of a sudden, this widow who has simply been faithful becomes an effective gospel sharer. If you've been lonely, have you seen Jesus that way? Mary and Joseph, they walk in with Jesus. Look at verse 33 and verse 34. This is what the Bible says. This is their reaction of coming face to face with their son again. And his father and his mother marveled about what was said to him. And Simeon blessed them. And said to Mary, Behold, this child is appointed for the rising and the fall of Israel for a sign that is opposed. The Bible says that Mary and Joseph marveled. You see, Mary and Joseph weren't rolling in the dough. And we'll talk more about that. But, but they were poor. And Scripture shows that they were, were making ends meet. But to the poor, joy gives a purpose. They weren't just this outcast couple who everybody thought was trying to hide some premarital indiscrepancies. To the poor who had no purpose except for just to endure the day, the blessing of God through Simeon gave them a purpose. Church, this morning, regardless of what they had seen or heard or experienced, Christ keeps doling out purpose on Mary and Joseph. This morning, maybe your joy has been tied to your wallet. Maybe your joy has been squandered this Christmas by what you're not able to provide. Or maybe your joy has been tied to it and you keep doling out gifts on your children and your loved ones only for that joy to fade in days and weeks to come. You see, the thread of joy of man doesn't run as long as the thread of Christ. But to the poor coming face to face with Jesus, the Lord doles out blessing upon blessing upon blessing. So if that's true, then how do we experience joy? How do we find ourselves in the best place? Joy, the joy of Christ, is best experienced in obedience. Have you ever thought about that? I looked up the definition of obedience this week, and the word dutiful and submissive were both in there. Doesn't that rev your engine? You're like, honey, I'm gonna, I am gonna wrote you a Valentine's card. Thank you for being dutiful and submissive. There's, There's nothing. If we were to have you to come in and tell you this is what our church values, our church values that we be a dutiful and submissive people to God, that may be factually true, but it kind of pours water on a campfire. Amen? That's not snuggle up to me words for Christmas, gentlemen. So I started writing, Lord, what is obedience biblically to God? What does that look like? And and these are my words. It's not found anywhere else. But I started comparing it to Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, and it feels, it rings true. That obedience is following the Lord to the best spot for the best view to watch what he's up to. That's what obedience is. Obedience is following the Lord to the best spot for the best view of what he's up to. It's almost like you were going to your favorite concert and the lead artist were to come get you out of the balcony and said, Hey, follow me. I'm going to give you front row seats. Would you say, Nah, man, that's fine. I want to appreciate you from a millimeter tall back here. It's all right. But it would take obedience to follow the main attraction to the front row. Because without him, you're not getting there on your own. You see, obedience is following the Lord to the best spot for the best view of what he's up to. And listen to how obedience puts Simeon and Anna and Mary and Joseph in that very spot. Luke 22 through 24 for Mary and Joseph. And when the time came, their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written, the law of the the Lord, every male who opens his womb shall be called holy and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. You see, obedience for this poor couple, obedience is where the poor depend on God's promise. You see, they brought the poor man's offering to present Jesus in the temple. They didn't buy the big animal, just the the doves, the cheap chicken, right? They weren't looking at the, the choice prime. Offering Instead, they found themselves scrambling up enough to give the poorest they could give. And yet, in their poorness, making their way to Bethlehem, entertaining others, presenting in the temple, they, gave, they received a front row ticket for the blessing that Jesus would dole out. You see, church, it's not about what you have to give. It's not about what you fill your pockets with. But joy is found when the poor depend on the promise instead of on their purses. Now listen to the word of Simeon in Luke chapter 25 through verse 26. This is what the Bible says. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem. His name was Simeon, and the man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You see, Simeon, we don't know how old he is, but from his reaction, he's not 15, amen? From his reaction, he's an old man who's been waiting. And the Bible says that in his waiting, he has been righteous and devout. What those two words mean is simply this. While he was waiting, he lived rightly before God. And devout means he believed in the promise. You see, for the tired, obedience is patience in the waiting. You see, patience is something we, we don't want to pray for we're, because we're afraid God will give it to us, right? We, we talk about that. But the Lord shows us that it's in patience and the waiting is where the blessing gets the best view, where joy is most evident. And I know we're all ready for COVID to be behind us. We are all ready when trials come upon our children for them to make their way through it. We are all ready when we find ourselves wrestling and struggling for the season to pass. But Paul says, listen, don't bail out early. When trials come upon you and you have to persevere, when you have to wait, be righteous, walk rightly with God, be devout, believe in his word because he will prove himself true. Church, this morning, I want you to know if you find yourself in that need of having no power to influence your circumstances, your body is fighting the way it is, your wallet is is tied up how it is, your relationships are done, or your spirit is wrapped up in knots, what the Bible shows us is obedience is found for the weary in waiting. And that's not a bad thing. It's a front row seat at God fulfilling his promises. For the lonely in Anna, listen to verse 36 in verse 37. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phenuel, the tribe of Asher, and she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years she was, until she, when she was a virgin, and then was a widow in, until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer day and night. For Anna, for the lonely, where was obedience found? In faithfulness in her relationship with God and his goodness. You see, to the lonely, it's faithful. When we're all alone in the darks, the lights are out, I don't know if you've ever been up in the church when all the lights are out and no one else is here in the middle of the night. Loneliness surrounds you like the darkness engulfs you. It's amazing how it changes what we listen for and how we act. Here is Anna for all of these years in loneliness. And what does she do? She seeks the Lord day in and day out. When it says she didn't depart the temple, it doesn't mean that she lived there It means it's as if she lived there. Every day she went out of her way to be in the temple. Why? Because she wasn't out trying to fill her loneliness through a backup plan because God was taking so long. Instead, she was faithful in her loneliness. And in that obedience, that dedication, she knew the truth. that. That obedience didn't earn joy or cause God to act. act. It just put her in the best spot to get the best view of God being faithful to himself. Church, this morning, have you wanted the joy that comes in Jesus Christ, but you have found obedience as cumbersome? Well, let me tell you through Anna and Mary and Joseph and Simeon with the babe Jesus, not the risen Jesus. The joy was overwhelming and they got front row seats because they were faithful, because they were patient, and because their poorness didn't depend on themselves, they depended on the promise. Where do you find yourself this morning? What's your week been like? Has it been flooded with the joy of Christ? Has it been overwhelmed with the goodness of God? Or have you found yourself living in a joy that is semi-satisfactory, that you're hoping one day just gets better? What scripture shows us is in Jesus Christ, coming face to face with him, the joy that he offers isn't temporary, it's life changing. And you may say, Pastor, I have been a believer in Christ all of my life and the joy seems to be like a roller coaster. Well, listen, make sure that it's not you leaving the front seat. If you're struggling with what you have been given to steward, know that your joy is not dependent on what you have. It's dependent on Jesus. So abandon your purse and lean into the promise. If you have been tired and just seems like your joy is being sucked away, be challenged. To stand firm on the front row and know that it is in the waiting, in the believing, where the promise will be seen the best. This morning, if it's loneliness. mm, Be faithful to the relationship with your bridegroom because it's that joy that comes with him, like the dew on the ground on a beautiful morning. Let me tell you, as I read this, the first thought I had was the last thought I wanna share. Scripture shows us very clearly in this passage that the life-changing joy of Jesus Christ is not reserved for just a few. He offered it to this outcast couple He he offered it to this old man. And he gave it freely to the lonely woman. Church, this morning, there's the truth. No matter what your backstory, no matter what you woke up carrying this morning, the joy that Christ offers is not reserved for a few, but is offered to you. And it comes the same way it came to this group on this day at the temple face-to-face with Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with him, you will not find that joy outside of seeing his face and confessing him as the redeemer, the light of the world, as Simeon said. The one who would bring together God's people. The hope that was promised, as Anna said. It's through confessing him as your light and your hope where you are introduced to joy. But this morning, if you claim Christ as your Savior and you have been struggling in your walk, then I would tell you, make sure that you're sitting on the front row seat. It's not hidden from you, but it's offered freely to you. Don't squander this gift because the joy is overwhelming. Whether you're at 100% or 5%. His joy is dependent on who he is. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you this morning for who you are, for loving us so greatly, Lord, that you would overwhelm us with the joy of the invitation to be with you. Lord Jesus, this morning, we praise you, God, for who you are and for what you've done. God, I pray today if there's someone watching or anyone in this room who has never known the joy of seeing you face to face, Father God, that you through your spirit might find them on their knees, God, obediently confessing their need for you and their desire for the joyful king to rule their life. Father God, I pray that they would open themselves to you and follow you to the way everlasting through the name of Jesus. Lord, as believers who follow you, God, Lord, our eyes get distracted on our purse, on our energy, on our situation. Lord, help us turn a blind eye to that and in obedience, God, lead us to the best place to get the best view of what you're up to because you are a promise keeper. In Jesus' name,